Welcome to Offbeat Tracks episode 90. We're at the uh, tenths again. Yes, at the tenths. At and the tenths. so it's time for another listicle show. Tenths at the tenths. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, as we uh, told you back in episode 80, when we talked about the most 80s things, today we're talking about the most 90s yes, things. which is weird because we were alive and sentient during the 90s, so it's kind of weird to analyze your own life. It's kind of weird. But it's funny because I, I actually had a harder time with this. Oh, it is harder. Because... Than I did with the 80s because I had a hard time, I had a harder time narrowing it down. Yeah, me I too. love '80s music in a in a way that I like. I will never love '90s music. I love '90s music also, but '90s music is so much more varied. Yeah, um, and so it, I I felt it were it was harder to pin down, and also living through it does make it harder because it makes you it creates different associations in your mind. Exactly, and so much of it is just like reality to me that I don't really separate as '90s. It's just right. me, and right? What I exactly. Like. Yeah, it was just it and was I, life, and I still listen to it. So yeah, it's exactly. like I'm like, oh, you mean this song that everyone knows and listens to and doesn't even think about, even though I don't think that's the case. But you know, it's going to be interesting. So we'll see. We'll see what we come up with. Okay. Well, I I think I'll take uh, first crack at this one. Um, this I had a hard time figuring out how to word this right. Um, the best I could come up with was uh, non-word vocalizations. Okay, you hear this in '90s songs a lot, where um, it's it's almost a callback to like '50s and '60s music, where people aren't saying words, but they're, um, you know, they're making n- mouth noises. <laughs> Like, uh, think the beginning of Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. <laughs> or, you know, the entire Hanson hit Mbop. That's a great Something song. like that, yes. Oh, God, Hanson. So, yes. Mm. Or also, I, the, I'm probably going to talk about this later, but one of my all-time favorites in the song I had in my head all during Thanksgiving, and I thought I was going to get kicked out because I kept going, beep ba 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 da bo Yes. Scatman. Scatman John, or Blue da ba dee da ba da Yes. Yes, that's it all. Was just, it was a lot of a non-word vocalization <laughs> happening in the 90s, so I think, I think to me, that's a very 90s thing. It's amazing why we don't have better vocabularies. My first thing, and I don't, I'm not sure this is a great thing, but this happened. Um, the return of the festival circuit. Oh. Like, I just wonder, before the 90s and like Lollapalooza pops up and Lilith Fair, good Lord, mm-hmm. and Woodstock 99, what a great idea that was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when all of these festival circuits popped up, what did, what did the hippies do for like the 70s and the 80s? Did they just do drugs at home? I think they, you know, became... Uh, asshole Reaganites. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. Do you think if we had like full on festival circuits in the summer? I think you're if, onto uh, something. Yes. Capitalism wouldn't be the uh, awful. Reagan never would have won. Now. Yep. Wow. Interesting. That's a bold point, but let's make it. Um, yeah. No, the festival circuit comes back and I mean, it spawns what we have now in life, which is 80 million festivals where you pay $200 to sit in the summer heat and sun all day and you know, smoke a lot of pot because you can't do that for free at home. Um. <laughs> and, and there was another lull after the 90s, I think, before festival culture bit. picked up again, because I don't ever remember hearing about, you know, from my friends that were like, oh, we're going to go to this such and such music festival. It really was like the later 2000s when yeah. I started hearing about that again. Yeah, and I think it depends on kind of who you were, because I remember going to Warp Tour. 
I love oh, Warped yeah. Tour. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I, I forgot about Warped Tour. I was a fucking awful person when I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> but I really loved 311. <laughs> that was a good Warped Tour in 2001, by the way. I stand by it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's different. It was I think it was more if you were on the fringes of music. And a lot of them were coast and city. You know, like Lollapalooza is always Chicago. Coachella. Bonnaroo was that. I don't know. Bonnaroo is the one in Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, and that started, I think, in like 2002. Yeah, and that's the one that I, I, I never remembered friends saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to Rue <laughs> until like 2007 or eight was the yeah. first time I heard friends say that. And I, I think the festival circuit was also, too, really about around the acts. You're not just going to go unless you really wanted to see those people in concert. Well, and, and now uh, it's like a whole experience. You Louisville's own. What's the one we do here? Uh, Forecastle. And that, yeah. that started uh, in early 2000s also. Yes, it did. First one was 2003, I think. Something like that, yeah. Devo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, people really didn't go to them unless you had somebody you wanted to see. And now it's just like you go to them and you figure out who's there and you just go anyway because, I don't know, I don't get it. But the 90s brought that back. And I'm not sure if I like the 90s for that, but they did it. I have an audio clip queued for this one <laughs> so that everybody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Um, one of the most 90s things to me is the the Korg M1 organ sound okay and when you hear it you'll understand what i'm talking about this was in so many songs this particular instrument on the core one the sound on the core one was used in so many 90s songs and i just think it is forever associated with that time so i hope my little clip works but here's a little clip of the core one organ yeah that thing this guy's playing the riff from uh, show me love But how like how many oh, '90s yeah. songs do you hear that organ in? It's, a lot. It's all over the place. So uh, I, I've it always is, loved that sound, and I, I very much. It's, oh, it is yeah, a '90s sound. That is, that is a '90s staple. If someone came up with a song right now that had that in it, I would be like, I missed this song in 1995. Right. My number two, I'll, I'll preface this with... Um, oh, where are we working? For, you're, you're going front to back. I was numbering that. That was my number four. I'm going five. Oh, okay. I'm going five my number to, four. I don't know. I just have I'm going five to... Oh, you didn't I mean, rank these. Okay. I did. I ranked mine. I did, but I just put two on it because I was... I don't know. Okay. You know me. I don't fucking know what I'm okay. doing. Okay. You know what? On the fly. Anyway, Calling an audible. Go ahead. Number four. <laughs> Not two. <laughs> number four. Three is going to be the same, though. I'm going to get that one right. Number four... Um. The 80s, I think, are kind of heralded as the beginning of the music video. Um, You know, it's video killing the radio star, whatever. But 90s was like the era of the music video to me. That was when music videos became a behemoth of making or breaking your career. And they became incredibly expensive. You're not doing anything without a music video. Everyone had them. And they were expensive, like Michael Jackson's Scream. How much did they spend on that? I still think that might yeah. be the most music video, the most expensive music video. I remember ever reading made, at still. the time that it was a super expensive video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just MTV was. I mean, hell, um, even um, what was the one I was just watching the other day? Uh, MC Hammer, Too Legit to Quit. The full version of that video is like fifteen minutes long. Good lord. And there are so many famous people in that video. I'd forgotten how many famous people were in. Like Danny, <laughs> Danny Glover's in there. And of course, like he he goes and meets. Did you think he was MJ? (laughs) (laughs) He goes and meets with um, 
with James Brown, you know, the guy, I've got to go meet the Godfather. And like the guy, like he has a weird battle with James Brown and the James Brown passes his powers down to him. Yeah. That's a, that happened. Well, That's a thing. I had totally that forgotten was about bold. it. <laughs> yeah, but no, to me, music videos had their heyday in the 90s. They kind of faded in the 2000s a little bit. And now I'm not even sure people make music videos anymore. <laughs> I certainly don't know where to find do. them. I don't know. You just don't see them anymore because they're not on TV. You have to YouTube them. I don't do that. Um, yeah, I mean, like Total Request Live, everyone had a video. It's what you did. And it was expensive. And it was your main form of marketing. <laughs> That was it, you know? <laughs> like, the, I love 90s music videos. They ruled. They didn't rule in the 80s. But they tried. What are you talking about? There no, were some great ruled, videos in the 80s. But it, it was the dawn like, of the video era. But, I mean, it was still heavily radio-based, your marketing. You could become yeah, a that's hit true. on radio. You know, like, 90s, unless you were on MTV or even VH1 with a video, you're. it's very rare that you're hitting anything. <laughs> Okay, so my next one, number three on my list, is um, another um, audio cue. <laughs> this is just another sound that's very 90s to me, and I feel like it got a lot of application in different genres of music. Um, I'm going to have to pull up this clip, but uh, the sound is called an orchestra hit. Do you know what that is? Uh, the, okay. Okay. So let me let me pull up the clip. There's one uh, one particular clip where I think it's the most famous, and uh, it's, it's in the theme from the movie Mortal Kombat. Okay. Okay, so right here. From Two Unlimited. Yes, exactly. That sound. <laughs> um, I, I another notable use of it would be like in um, L.A. Style. James Brown is dead. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like um, very beginning of that song, they use a. Uh, it's more orchestra hits. James Brown is dead. <laughs> orchestra hits too so it's just a very uh it was a pretty versatile sound like yeah like you brought up the two unlimited thing but, yeah. i never knew it had a name other than the two yeah. unlimited sound but yeah i just i associate that very much with the 90s and uh i i think anybody would be remiss not to <laughs> My number three is, I know something that you hate, and I don't care, <laughs> yes. because I love it, These and are my faves. it's the best. Uh, like, the 60s and 70s had them, and the 80s had them a little bit, and the, you know they had them in the 2000s a little bit, in the 2010s. They'll always be there, but they were never better than they were in the 90s. That is the boy band. It was everywhere. My parents loved boy bands. Well, my mom, not my dad. But like, you know, <laughs> like that NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys to me was like iconic. 
It was the Tiffany versus Debbie of the 90s. Yeah, that's... Um, I think everybody liked both of them. I, I actually almost put that on my list. I, I, I didn't because I figured you would. So I'm glad that you did so that we could talk about actually, it. Because I actually really agree with you. Boy bands are like... It, it is very much impossible to separate 90s music and boy bands. I mean, they were... I think boy bands, you know, they had their heyday, but they... I don't know, they were never on the charts and all over radio and all over, you know, music video helped that too, because mm-hmm. you're seeing how totally cute they are, even though now when you look at them, they weren't really that cute. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, no, and then you had all, like, all the little non-NSYNC and Backstreet Boys ones that had awesome songs like Five. Five does not get enough cred, by the way. Five. It's, five isn't, that's different than High Five, right? No, not yeah. High five is different. Five was a, a British boy band. They had a baby when the lights. Oh, go out. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was them. And also, um, you remember High Five? I like yes. the way the kissing oh, game. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. another boy band. Yeah, and I mean, like you start off the nineties with new kids, right? And like really and all forms too. Because remember, there was a group called ABC, another bad creation yes. at the playground. Like you know, uh, I will talk about this here soon. But like even like hip hop had them, like B two K and one twelve. Like oh yeah. How lack of cred is that? But I mean, they were everywhere. I, I, every I think genre. it was uh, Pablo Francisco, the comedian, where he said, uh, "Real R and B is five dudes with no shirts on." <laughs> it's it's yeah. true. Like nineties R and B. Would that's... you consider Boys to Men a boys ba- a boy band? Ooh, I don't think so. That's I don't a think tough they one. Had, Twitter poll. Twitter poll. I don't know if anybody is Boys to Men a boy band. I don't think girls were screaming for them. Like, oh, I can't name a single member of Boys. Well, of they boys did to men. go on tour with uh, New Kids on the Block last year. So I'm just saying, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know, but boy bands were nineties and you might still have them today, but they're, no one cares that much anymore. Don't care what is written in your history, as long as you're here with me, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you had a really hard time with wording this one as well this is the hardest one to word yeah. for me um this is my number two slot on this list um i i i there i started with thinking about like three chord socal punk rock mm. like that when when punk like the punk sensibilities from the actual punk era in the late 70s um kind of started those artists started working with like pop producers Mm-hmm. And started making records on like sub pop records and reprise records, it's, you know, like Green Day's Dookie album, for instance. Yep. But just that that kind of the the thing that led into the pop punk movement, quote unquote. But then I started thinking about the relationship between pop music and, you know, the other, whatever the other is. Yeah. And I think that in the 90s is when that moment really happened, right? Because in the 80s, of course, there was alternative music. There was mm-hmm. New Wave. and But I, I, I don't think it was this marketable thing. You know what I mean? It just yeah. didn't. It wasn't presented in the same way before the 90s as it was in the beginning in the 90s when alternative really became a thing. And so my my number two thing is specifically the label alternative because yes. I very much associate that with the 90s when being quote-unquote alternative was a thing. And I think it it encompasses a lot of really awesome and beautiful things that happened in There's the 90s. There's a ton of it. Yeah. yeah. So just the generalized label alternative to me is a very 
is a very 90s I agree with idea. You there. I agree with you there. And there's it's all over the decade because I have thought about putting something about that on there. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you've got it, it encompasses grunge. Yep. It encompasses that weird like ska punk thing. That ska yes. thing is very 90s. I almost put that on there. That like kind of pop ska that like first album no doubt yeah kind of thing which by the way is like really not a pop record but it's odd that it is because it's just like i don't know to me like 90s ska was weird and i think about it sometimes but like so go to the idea of alternative though like you said you brought up lilith fair earlier that Mm -hmm. that's alternative that whole the tori amos sarah mclaughlin crowd that was alternative to me um there were like a lot of um seattle punk type groups that were alternative or, or, you know, beyond the grunge scene, stuff like the gits. Yeah. Um, that's, that's alternative music. Um, and even to the point, like in America, you would consider like maybe Britpop too alternative. Yeah. Because oh, it's for different. sure. It wouldn't be in the UK, but like in America, absolutely. Oasis, you know, ra- Radiohead. Yep. That absolutely would have been played on all alternative stations. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I agree with you there. It's a good one. They put silver where her teeth had been, baby silver tooth. Okay, you know I wasn't going to like skip over the best part of the 90s, which is Europop. Oh, yes. God, like how 90s is Europop? I mean, Europop existed for a long time. It existed in the 70s. It existed in the 80s. But it had a moment in the 90s when it became pop music. Led by the Ace of Bass train. Let's be real. Uh, Yeah, that's coming on there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it just it felt so distinct and kind of other in the 80s. In the 90s, it fit right in on radio. It fit right in with what, you know, electronic music was doing and dance music. It became, for a little while, like a lot of the mainstream. And it was silly. And people recognized that a lot of it was silly. But you had some monster hits on that. I, like it's funny. Aqua. Oh, yeah. Ace of Bass. I almost um, uh, put, like, the, the resurgence of Swedish pop on my, uh, for mine, um, you know. Yeah. so um, Max Martin. Yeah. Uh, just kidding me? <laughs> Ace of Base, uh, Robin having her, her uh-huh. first go at fame in the 90s. Um, yeah, the, the Swedes think, had a good time in the 90s. I think so much of like that is pure pop, or at least that still comes out today and came out in the 2000s, was so based on that sound. Like that Max Martin sound, he's written like every song ever. Yeah. Uh, that was huge and it's crazy. And so much of it turned into like the NSYNC stuff, the Britney stuff. It's all the same people. Absolutely. Um, and it, it just completely changed, I think, the face of pop music. And people don't give Europop enough credit. And also the best album from all of it, and I will say it right now, is the culmination of the 90s Europop movement. Eiffel 65's Europop. There you go. Perfectly. That is a great album. And people don't talk about it enough. I sound like Trump. People don't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about it. Eiffel 65 was good. Once you woke up late in the morning light, and the day had just begun, she opened up her eyes and thought, oh, what a morning. It's not a day for what It's a day for catching time. She was lying on the beach and having fun. She's going to get you. All that she wants is another baby. She's gone tomorrow, boy. All that she wants is another baby. Yeah. So we're down to number one. 
And you remember when we did our most 80s things episode, I tried to come up with a song that I thought encompassed all of my mm. other pieces. That was a lot harder uh, for the 90s because um, if I go the core game one organ and orchestra hits route, it's going to be something Euro house. But if I go the alternative route, it's going to be something that doesn't sound like that at all. Um, so I went with, <laughs> it's really funny because you kind of went off on the tangent when I was talking about the alternative label, yeah. um, because I don't think there is anything more nineties to me than that upbeat ska happy mm-hmm. rock sound. Like when I think of the nineties, that's what I think. So to me, like I'm sitting down and going, when somebody says, Hey, remember the nineties, what's the, like, if somebody were making a movie and like off the top, hey, remember the 90s, someone turns and has a flashback, what song should start playing? To me, if the first song you think of, that should be the song that encompasses the 90s. So I went through a couple of suggestions. If you were more a somber movie, I would have said Lisa Loeb's uh, Stay. Oh, God. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think Semi-Charmed Life is a very close runner up. <laughs> but to me, there is nothing more 90s. If somebody says, hey, remember the 90s, and so a character turns away and looks and you fade into a 90s montage and what starts playing but the mighty, mighty boss tones, the impression that I get. <laughs> I thought about putting like the weird big band movement thing that happened that one summer. But that's kind of why I chose this yeah. because it remember there was the weird swing resurgence and then like every guy in the late 90s, every like hetero guy wanted to dress like a bowling alley employee from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. And like all, there was all this weird neo swing revival. And so I think the, the boss tones like really capture that moment in time and just like what it felt like to be around in 1998. So to me, yeah. that 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 uh, that's like, hey, the '90s, and they're that's where I go. Yes, they are. It's like it is very '90s. That's a very good one. The mighty, mighty boss tones. Thank you. That's very good. Okay, this is hard for me to like narrow down, but I feel like I have to make this point because I think it is as a lady, you have to acknowledge the weird feminism of the 90s because I think it's the beginning of modern feminism and what does it mean? Because if you look at the 90s and you're like, what's a feminist to you? And you look at 90s music and what that represents. It's a good question because I think it's a thing we're still wrestling with today. What is feminism? What is, what do you do as a woman? What are your values as a proper feminist? And to me, 90s music is that. And it's so celebrated. And it was when women had their moment. And so my number one is VH1 Divas Live. Wow. Because to me, that was the, like, it would just brought Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey was the 90s to me. She is all of music to me. If everyone else fell off the face of the planet and I only had Mariah Carey, that would be okay. It would be great. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, another rivalry. That's another one. Mariah versus Whitney. Yeah, no contest. Whitney wins. Sorry. Yeah, no, um, no, it's Mariah. But Uh -uh, wrong. Good lord, we are going to have a fight on the air. Um, No, but I mean, it's just there's so much of what happened with feminism and you know the strong solo woman in the '90s. Madonna, to me, Madonna '90s. 
80s Madonna is fine. No, but Madonna, cool. but you're Madonna right. in the 90s owned the world. Yes, and she she really came into her feminism in the 90s yes, too. Yes, and she Absolutely. bent all the rules, and she was always still. I don't know. if She's still ahead of the game now, but she was always ahead of the game in the 90s. Like Ray of Light, that is crazy. I just recently listened to Ray of Light for the first time. It's a really, great album. It's a great album. That song is insane, by the way. Yes, um, and it's so different than a lot of what was on the pop records. And I didn't realize it at the time. I'm it like, was a he was a huge risk. Um, yeah, highly and, recommend everybody looks up her performing that song live on Oprah's show. That is an that is an iconic oh performance. God. Yeah, no, I, and to me, like when you get to the late '90s and you get to VH1 Divas Live, which if you've never lived through that, it was just basically they'd get like five performers and it would go to some charity. I can't remember what it was, and it was like I think the first one was Mariah, but yeah, th- like Aretha think, Franklin. Think about that happening now. That's what I'm saying. Like, think about. Like, do we even have that number of divas that would be on stage together anymore? Like, no. think about that. We had it was Carol King, Aretha yep. Franklin, Celine Dion, uh, Shania Twain, and um, Gloria Estefan. All sing- mm-hmm. I'm doing this from memory, so I, yeah. but I think that was it. <laughs> but they're all singing. Um, you make me feel like a natural woman. I, I very distinctly remember that. Yeah, and I, I, it's just weird. Like, what would the modern equivalent of that even be? I don't be? know. It I, would be like it would be like Rihanna, Britney Spears, Beyonce, I'm, uh, Lady Gaga. I'm just trying to think of like who the most powerful, you know, uh, female see. pop stars are now. Katy Perry. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I we're going know. by hit but power, but to me, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't feel the same as it did in the nineties. No, it doesn't. There was not. I mean, you were there was because such they're a all, celebration. They're all so much it. younger. And they're yeah. If and that happens, if that happens thirty years from now, it will be the but same. You're also, <laughs> you're also getting. You know, you're also having a resurgence of like Aretha Franklin. Donna Summer was a lot of places in the '90s. Oddly, yes. Uh, you know, like Carol King. Why was she there? But it's yeah, we right. celebrate. You know, it's all these really cool things, and I think there's just so much in the '90s that was like what feminism is and celebrating the strong single woman. Like Ally McBeal, it's my girl. That's right. <laughs> you know, and the struggles of that. And I just really love VH1 Divas Live because I think it completely changed the face of all of it. It represented it to me. So tired. Yeah. All the day I met you. Yeah, yeah. Life was so unkind. So Well, that was a very interesting choice. I like that. Um, so I, 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 this went better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I, what did because, you expect? Well, it, this was <laughs> like we said at the beginning. You know, this was a really this was harder was hard. than the eighties. Doing the nineties was harder than doing the eighties. And but I, I think we have a a hell of a list here. <laughs> yeah. For these the it's things that good. represent the nineties uh, in terms of music. Do you have any honorable mentions? No, I had some things written down that I thought were more visual things. Um, washed out chroma is one like really really high chroma. <laughs> yep. Um, fish eye lenses are very nineties. Oh, yeah. Like Ugh. especially like a low camera angle fish eye lens and like the singer bending down into the camera. That's a very nineties mm-hmm. thing. Also, what I've only noted as that font. So, do you remember those <laughs> things where they were like? Early like label makers before you had like a little computerized device where you yes. type in a label and print it out. There was this little thing that had like ticker tape that went through it, mm-hmm. and you would like kachunk 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 each letter and turn a wheel on the top. Okay, that font. That's the '90s font. 
Okay. I, I believe Coolio put that. it on an album cover. Yes. But it's like the, when when you needed to be edgy in the 90s, that was your font. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. My big one that I, I, I don't know, I, I took out Bad Boy Records to me is very <laughs> 90s. Yep. Because it's like hip hop to me like had its, you know, was like kind of underground going into the 90s. And it becomes this gangster thing. And it's like, I don't know what rap is, but people are listening to it. I don't get it. And then Bad Boy just completely flips on his face and it becomes this pop thing that means nothing. And I think that it completely changed hip hop for the worse. And we're still there. And it's just all about money and hoes and saying oh that you're God. the coolest. All right. Before she continues sounding like somebody's dad. I know, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> uh, you can hit us up online at offbeattrackscast.com. Yeah. And I would love to hear what your your most 90s things are. So, yeah. Um, email us. Let us know. Yeah. Um, and we're also on Twitter at Offbeat Tracks. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another normal episode. Well, as normal as we ever get around here. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya.